everybody and welcome to Valorant Minecraft episode 150. Today we'll be going into the nether with our team Achilleos, Mimi and that little rat boy at the end, Avast. You know him, you love him and he's back for good. <laughs> oh my god, that just took everything out of me. I'm turning I mean, this that, off. Avast that is here. was that was hated. <laughs> so I'm not gonna lie. You don't have the Minecrafter YouTube voice, unfortunately. Don't I? You don't have it. No. Okay. Well, what is it then? Teach well, you gotta me. have to, to be learn. like. I mean, we literally recreated when I did the Germacraft script. You know, well, we did it in the stream on Monday. But it's like, it's like, hey guys, here with another let's play of Minecraft, and you know, we're gonna be doing some hijinks, some shenanigans. You know, you gotta be like, it's like kind of like you're you're a little too um. Was I too fake corpo? You're too right. killer clowny. Yeah. yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds I, like you're gonna eat us or something. Yeah, I think you have to lean more into your 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 kind of natural tone because you do have a kind of biological advantage of being a Minecraft YouTuber because they are all British, and you have that like. <laughs> that's true. It's true. So that's, I think if you in lean your blood. into being yourself a little bit more, while also just bringing out the best energy you can, you could really have a future in this. Right, okay. Well, you know, I, I love that. Uh, I've only been streaming 52 <laughs> hours this week of Minecraft, like it's my full-time job. Only but Jesus Christ. I, yeah, I actually looked up these stats recently. So the four of us have been playing the Platchat Minecraft uh, server, along with a bunch of other people as well from Overwatch and from Valorant. I was looking at the stats. I've streamed 52 hours. I thought that was egregious. That's more than like a full-time job. I was looking up uh, Bren is at 55, oh. and that's only the amount that he's actually streamed. I swear he's playing a ton off-stream as well. But that's not yes. even topping the charts. Up there at the number one position, as far as I can tell, is a evil cat herself with 60 hours in the last week streamed trying to make trains. Yeah, I did make <laughs> trains, though. At this point, I think I am so technologically ahead of the rest of society. My last night's task was building a tunnel boring machine that creates a, basically a 10 block by 10 block giant hole through the earth. Uh, it took me like hours to build, but I am now boring tunnels at like a block a second. It Connor was trying to make up. melons. Connor was, was trying, trying to, to make, make a melon melons. Wall. A melon wall. Because <laughs> Smex is building a doomsday device in the server. And I'm like, the only thing, and because like we're, we're doing it from two different approaches, you know? Mimi's going full techno full technology. She's like the the humans that invade the Navi planet and Avatar. You know, she's like full <laughs> like we're gonna deforest the world. We're gonna do all this shit. We're gonna harvest. I'm Seeking going organic. I'm going organic. Okay, I'm making melons. I'm letting Mother Earth protect me, and that's gonna be my like my my bo my bosom that I live in. You know, and like that's gonna be my my area. So how strong are melons which, as a protective um, device? They're pretty thick. You know, they got a thick rind. So, <laughs> so you'll just have to I, see, I guess. I just, I dig holes. Um, that's all I've been doing. I've just been... Actual mole, man. POV, you're a mole. Digging, yeah, I've just been digging into the fucking depths of the earth and then getting things that I don't know what the fuck to do with it because I've never played Minecraft before. So I have all of these rare, precious metals and shit, and I'm just like... I don't know what any of it does. Wow, what a what a time to join Seth because you join in like the modded Minecraft realm too. So this is like a oh, yeah. you're getting like full culture shock. I am in the deep end for sure. Oh. I'm just I, like I don't I don't even know what I can do with copper yet, and that's like a base <laughs> material. You can make yeah. semiconductors I mean, with it, and then you can make your wa your wafer factory to build uh, Intel chips in Taiwan. That, that's my plan. Mm, I'm trying to overseas my operations first to find cheaper labor costs in a different village, uh, but mm. we'll see if that one works out. Wilkinson Wait. though. You've been oh. doing your best to piss 
anyone watching your stream or anyone even in the, the fucking vicinity of you off by playing modded Minecraft, which adds hundreds of items and not looking up a single fucking recipe. And just, <laughs> how, how many said the bad hours word. have you spent? You've, you've been swearing as well, Achilleos. There's, I there's know, no I, money coming into this episode. I was, I was trying to pass Wait, it off. Guys, I was trying to tear up the $20 family bills. Friendly Minecraft. That's yeah, so and sad. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll become millionaires by selling some I don't know crypto to the children or something when Let's we become huge Minecraft people. But uh, the the ad revenue is not coming through. Yeah. You're accusing me of trolling by not opening the yeah, recipe book. Take yes. it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take it. We'll put it in the swear jar. Put it in the swear jar. Yeah, we're gonna get demonetized here, but we will talk about Valorant in a moment. But I mean. I feel like just appealing to the Zoomers here is is part of what we're doing. I wanted to show some clips, okay, of what <laughs> of what has been going on. I wanted to start with Mimi's math is really hard because oh this shows you what Mimi has been doing. So it's for context, I was planning a uh, subway train line. And uh, here, Kurt, let me just send you something to pull up. Um... So I was trying, I'm going to put this in the chat in Video Ninja. I was trying to create this, a plot of where I wanted to build my train line and what the most optimal curves to build the underground train line was. Because with the tunnel boring machine, I need really precise measurements of where I'm going. So I opened up Desmos and I created Why is this. this? So you, as you can see, the start and end are labeled. And then I have my two turns. So I had to go into creative and plan out what the optimal curving radius was to keep speed with the train and not brick anything and make it look good um and I this was is what really the zoomers are doing in minecraft yeah, this is what the zoomers they're are not doing. they're not doing this they're not I'm planning this <laughs> the Mimi's issue is most this. of it's it appears that most of my chat is is fucking like engineers and they were just like belittling me for my inability to do math and sending me random math things and at at my worst hour of having no idea how to solve for the curves of this graph the clip you're about to watch happened. <laughs> I'm waiting with bated breath. I need I need to see it. What is the circumcenter <laughs> of a triangle? <laughs> what is that? What is this formula? What is the circumference of a triangle? Is it a circumference for circles? This is, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> the oh, circumference. The circumference. In the triangle? Mm. Is that what it is? Circumcenter? Uh, isn't that what they do to the babies? <laughs> I mean, it's just all, it's just all on it. By the way, that went on for two, I think two, two and a half hours oh, to, God. to solve that. Oh, oh my Jesus. God. Oh, fuck. <sighs> Meanwhile, I want to show you just what me and Bala have been going on, uh, I've been up to. Can you pull up the Jaws dies and then box like a fish? Because, well, what, this is, I think, showcasing the Zoomer versus Millennial approach to Minecraft. Because the Millennials are all just out there trying to have fun, you know, trying to troll each other. And the Zoomers are building holes. steam engines. Like the, we're, we're, the older generation's getting surpassed. Your HUD is huge, Josh. Look how big that is. Oh, <laughs> yeah, is. What is that down there? Down where? 
Joe, someone shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fucking. Did you it's just so good. You and know, he took that upon himself too, and he did that to me. He did that to me as well. <laughs> except he did, jumped a water bucket under me while I was exploring a cave, and I just fell to my fucking death <laughs> off the waterfall. Josh so. earned wish, what the uh, word spleef means and just has not gotten over spleef. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. The word spleef is just so good. And Arden got his revenge means. on me as well. Arden literally used his years of Fortnite experience to box me like a fish. Force just <laughs> took me on an adventure. I'm in like bad. I'm just talking right at the beginning of this clip. That wasn't me. You walked <laughs> into the fire. Like the... I've you traveled in several biomes. <laughs> Stop intimidating me. I'm getting very intimidated. I'd like to call the police. Except actually, the police around here is Mimi, and she's part of the, the oppressor. She's part of, she's part of the fucking oppressing class. That's actually fucked up, bro. Box like a fish. Box like a fish. Box like a fish. Box like a fish. He got Oh my god! Look at him fucking. He's a fish. Well, I really, know really enjoyed that. Like Holy shit. What, what does that mean? What is box like a fish even it's come a from? Fortnite is that a Fortnite term. thing? Oh, it's okay. a Fortnite term where you just, oh. I don't know, you outbuild somebody and box them up. He then ended up pouring water in there and drowning me to death. So anyway, <laughs> all of this to say, we've been having a lot of fun and we haven't really been playing much Valorant on stream, I guess, was the entire point of this intro. Um, but yeah, it's it's been entertaining. Oh, there was an article posted on Bloomberg saying that Valorant's current player base is 28 million monthly active users, 70% of which are Gen Z as well. So I thought we would appeal to the Gen Z player base for this episode, uh, who all famously love Minecraft, and we would just turn ourselves into Minecraft characters for this. So, Kurt, for... <laughs> Oh no way! <laughs> oh no way! I can't believe it. Can, so, can, kids. can we show Kurt? Can you show the one that I tried to submit, but I was too late? I mean, I. What were you? It literally is just pixels. Yeah, I know. It's just, I'm just pixels. I'm just I mean, saying, I'll, like, I'll show you what you mean. But, oh, because I just, I was just looking for the most horrific. Minecraft skin because I actually didn't skin my character, <laughs> so I found Ufushrek. <laughs> Why does was, this exist? I was requesting that this be my avatar for the episode, but unfortunately, <laughs> I missed the deadline. <laughs> Who spends their time making that skin? That's horrific. Oh my! Also, we actually have like real animated backgrounds. That's my yeah, real train. Yeah, I mean, what is I what's going? The I feel like a VTuber. <laughs> like what? Like, what, like, like it's yeah. like I'm, I feel like I'm about to do a, a, a virtual concert with Iron Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Let me talk, let me talk through this because we've got a serious Valorant topic to discuss here. Okay, this isn't mm -hmm. just a Minecraft episode. So I wanted to talk about this Bloomberg report, which is written by um, an excellent journalist within the scene called Cecilia D'Anastasio who has talked about kind of the explosion in the Valorant player base recently. And normally these kind of articles are pushed heavily by the developer. Uh, if you notice, a lot of the developers where they don't have their monthly active user base public all the time, uh, you know, like if they're on Steam or something, 
Um, they tend to only release it when their numbers are looking really good. And then they, you know, give an article to some uh, journalist somewhere and they kind of advertise the fact that their game is doing really well. But this one's kind of nuts because it's not like a small increase in the monthly active users. It's an absurdly large increase in the monthly active users for Valorant. It went from, uh, in 2021, 14 million monthly active users, which is the amount of unique users that log in and play the game every month. So it went from 14 million in 2021, which is when a lot of other games were at their peak because of COVID and stuff. And it's now 28 million. So it's doubled in monthly active players in the last two years, which is wild increases. And I think part of that is probably because the game released in China, although we don't really have any numbers for what the <laughs> what the player base is in China. Um, but enormous. it's... It's enormous. I mean, the the increase is just massive. Yeah, I I don't know if this does rope in the Chinese. It would make sense if it did, just given it that must much do. growth. Because I, I remember seeing like when the Chinese servers went up, the queues that people had to wait in to just get into the game were insane because there was just so much instant demand as soon as they went live. So I feel like this has to have those included. Yeah, I, and I believe another part of this was that that uh, Valorant, I think, is already at one of the top spots in uh, in uh, Chinese uh, PC like gaming cafes, which is yeah, it's insane. top five. Yeah, top yeah. five already for a game that what just released like maybe six or so months ago in China. And I think that is definitely part of the meteoric crisis, and also just across the world, like in the U.S., like comparing the numbers to even 2021. Oh hi, it's oh, us again. Well, we're back. I miss, I I miss being Damn. Minecraft. <laughs> Anyways, that, that felt so nice and safe and warm and comfortable. But it, it's just absurd, that amount of rise so quickly. I don't think you can attribute that all to the game releasing in China. It's literally doubling in player base is, yeah. I, uh, it's also fourth in Korea right now, too. So it's, it's still I don't have hovering around a the huge top, amount which is really good. to say on this, by the way. But I do have to call it this one byline because I know Bloomberg is not for... 18 year olds it's for typically 30 plus year olds so yeah. i'm just like i the line the Me game's high characters have green buzz cuts and wear blue lace sneakers a college kid might wait in line for i know that, <laughs> <laughs> like, i i i know obviously this line is not meant for the zoomers this is meant for the people that are like huffily taking out their newspapers like and they turn to their wife and they're like whoa did you see this honey the Valorant has blue lace sneakers the college kids <laughs> might wait in line for. Have you heard this? Like, that that's what that line is like. Heard, it, that's what it sounds like to me when I hear that right now. But, I mean, it is, a, it is sensational currently, you know? The, the the Zoomers love it. Both of the, I think, I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to see where, if it, like, has a similar trajectory and arc uh, as, like, League of Legends did, right? Where it's, like, insanely popular, right? And, like, does it keep that position where like it keeps attracting people back all the time kind of like similar to like maybe like what counter-strike does with its fan base or does it like start to as the popular as it as everyone ages does it start to like drop off a bit you know i think that's like the really interesting part about where valorant is because it's a very approachable game comparatively so um i think it's going to be fun to see like where the uh kind of trajectories of it goes because yeah. i think it also affects like the esport <clears throat> prospects of it and like what changes with like you know advertisers and like how you like actually approach like marketing the game too i think what's so big about that is just the reach it has globally 
Counter-Strike, uh, even at its peak, was like in large part massive player base in Europe, pretty huge player base in NA, and obviously there was there was an Asian scene as well. But in Valorant, just like the the way that this game has propagated in Asia is huge. Like top four in Korean PC bongs going crazy in China right now. In Southeast Asia as well, it's massive. I think Riot has just done a really good job of advertising globally, being able to have a game that was released in China relatively quickly and just appealing to a lot of different groups. And that has just like skyrocketed the game in a way that I don't think most other TAC FPSs that had that big relevance in North America and Europe managed to propagate into Asia. Yeah, they've also done a much better job of marketing it to women, I think, as well. Yes. Rather than, if you think about other like FPS games or TAC FPS games as well, I think they're really poor at that. So I think Valorant's got that kind of uh, done a lot better than the, their competitors. Uh, to compare it to one of the people, uh, one of the, not people, but games that is... Uh, you know, the, the direct comparison always made to CS. If you're trying to figure out, like, how big really is 28 million monthly active users, um, the August 2023 numbers for CSGO were 26 million monthly active users, according to an article from Deserto, which I, I believe was referencing the Counter-Strike.net website that just has it on there all the time. And if you look at Counter-Strike.net at the moment, it has 31.5 million monthly active users, which I imagine is larger because Counter-Strike 2 has just released and people are excited to play it, even though the community's in uproar about how badly it's actually been done. But um, so it's it's really quite comparable to the, uh, you know, super long-standing decades of history CS2 or CSGO kind of player base which is as that's pretty nuts the fact that we're it's in the same ballpark as as counter-strike yeah i mean i think for valorant like i i also find that when you look at like such a huge player base is like there's still room like there really is still room for it to potentially grow as well in like asia like that which is like the crazy part so like i think it's really interesting to see like for the first time at like a super global stage like where and we've already seen it with this past year too of like just like how dominant like um <laughs> i'm just looking at the cat and i'm just thinking of custa's house filled with snow leopards and the or Bryn's <laughs> house and now yeah, i'm Bryn's. just like thinking of just filled with your mind the minecraft, minecraft. yeah the minecraft actually gets minecraft filled i'm extremely minecraft Bren, filled. Well, that's, uh, that's what we need doug was streaming earlier today with the title i'm addicted to minecraft please help me please oh god please help <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm hopping on tonight so i didn't do i'm definitely hopping on tonight i lost my train of thought i don't remember what i was gonna the, say let's move on the last thing the last thing from the article that i thought was interesting though was that um one of the people from riot joe hickson said under 50% of the players spend on cosmetics. The, uh, the quote is, we found a majority of players choose not to, but thanks to the players that do spend, we're able to keep the game free to play and keep adding more co gameplay content and features. I don't know that I've ever really um, seen developers talk about how many, you know, what percentage of their player base spends on cosmetics and what percentage, uh, or rather what revenue they get from that as well. I think any transparency there would only serve to harm them, frankly, because other people would want a cut of it if it just ended up being absolutely large, like, you know, as people would with, like, the esports kind of stuff. Um, I think developers but I thought that this was for interesting. Games, for, like, mobile games. I think, like, because mobile games, they've, it's, like, the MTX was really what, like, that's what really, like, pioneered MTX in many ways, was, like, mobile gaming, you know, and, like, really brought it to the forefront. And so I think they talked about it more commonly because it's a very commonly known thing that, like, the majority of your player base in a free-to-play game does not spend money. 
on microtransactions. And that there's always a select group of people, aka the whales, not Brendan Fraser, but the the other <laughs> whales that that are that are like spending the majority of the money in that. Which I mean, that pretty much just lines up here. In fact, depending on what the percentage is, it would be interesting to see because like if they're saying under fifty percent, like that implies that like it implies that it's like forty something percent. You know, because like why would you specifically say specifically say under fifty? To me, this implies like in the fortieth percent range of like people that are buying cosmetics, and that's like still. I imagine it has to be on the higher end for a game of this size still, comparatively. Um, I wonder how that compares to a game like League of Legends or something. Like, like games that have, like, the same model as Valorant. Because it's very different in, in Counter-Strike, where the skins are kind of a community market, and it's just, like, the, the, the gambling cases are the way that Valve makes money, or the sticker capsules, I presume. Whereas Valorant has to completely just be buying the skins outright as like the sole source of revenue so i'm wondering how that kind of percentage of people uh compares to to other big games with a similar system but yeah it's 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 pretty interesting i think it's just like the power of breaking the ice and having one skin if you are just like financially solvent enough to do it it's a fucking slippery slope. And it's just like anyone I know who plays this game, once they buy one, it is just that slippery slope. It's so addictive somehow to just get the silly little weapon skins. And I mean, it's it's impressive that the game is is presumably being that profitable. I, I think that a lot of other games, I mean, the biggest ones that come to my mind as far as like people, I, I, where I think a majority of the player base actually probably does do microtransactions would be like Genshin and like Honkai. I think that anybody Th- but who those plays games those fucking are games... made to be a microtransaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're gotcha games. For League, I think they probably, they probably turn so much more in sales and probably convert mm. a, a larger percentage of the player base because they can just release an Ari skin every six months and everyone will buy it. So I'm guessing that the league turnover rate for purchases is probably like astronomically larger, but also a larger player base. So even if it was like a similar percentage, let's say it's like 40% of the players buy it, there's probably so many more people buying it that churns in cash. Yeah, and I mean... (coughs) Huh? You get it twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So also, I mean, what that means is with 70% of them being Gen Z, that only 30% are 27 and older, right? So... We need to start a de-aging process or hire children to do this podcast or something because we need to bring this average age down. I'm good. I'm, well, we're, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm quite young myself. (laughs) 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 Me, skateboard slung over my shoulder. Ah, yes, I'm actually quite young. Guys, like, I don't, I mean, like, dude, the world is so crazy. Anyone else trying to get the You're saying you're quite young as you're connected to this fucking podcast from your basement office. Yeah, I just got upgraded to the corner (laughs) office, guys. It's going to be great new background for my podcast. Uh, there's not a basement, okay? Now, as you know, like... Most young people have a rock formation similar to this <laughs> in, their, in their homes. Um, so it's show me know, the most Zuma thing in your room. I want to see the most Zuma thing in all of your rooms. Like the thing that if, you would present to say, "I am a Zuma." Look, here is the evidence. Would a would an old person own this? Um, would an old person uh, <laughs> a Carhartt lunchbox? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Would they own that? So Probably horribly not, millennial. Huh? 
horrendously. Wait, okay, I can't find wait. anything. I can't find, dude. I, I guys, I can't. I'm struggling to beat the millennial accusations. I'm building a fucking model train set. I mean, me, Mimi is a hobbyist. Mimi is like should be 60 years old. Like <laughs> I living. Should. I mean, like there's no my, way. My hobbies are cycling and model trains outside of like the video game stuff. It's oh, so yeah, I'm I'm fucking older than any of you. It's 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 screwed. Oh wait, I have a fidget spinner. Thank the good lord. I'm 13. Oh, she's all right. Never mind. She's drawn it. Mesmerize. She's done it. Become a member. Oh wait, no. I actually that was the most. I just found something that was the most millennial thing of all time. I did not design this room, by the way. There's about to be a jump scare. Okay, get ready. Okay. Jump from the bottom. <laughs> this is the most millennial thing yet. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, character oh. purely designed to sell things to millennials. Why do you have that? Uh, I don't Amazing. know. I, I didn't design this office, or the, the, so I think whoever did this was also a millennial and built this office. And it was like, mm, Baby Yoda. Anyone else love <laughs> Baby they, Yoda? And then they've, they, so they've designed the office, and then they've just put shit on the shelves that you have to sit around. Um, what would I have to sit around? Well, I mean, like, you're saying that like somebody else put that Baby Yoda there. In your yes. office? Well, this isn't my office. Oh, this it's is, like a shared the, office. This is a stream room, technically. I see. I also, this will okay. not be, I'm only occupying this for the current time being. I'll be making a new one of these soon. So I'll be moving around. The gulag days are over, okay? Now we I have just that you had your baby own Yoda. office that you'd be I do, working out of. But the thing but is, I, guess... I don't have, I share my office with another person and I can't like run the podcast. I can't be over here being Damn. like, Grogu, baby Yoda, when there's like another employee, like, right. <laughs> you can talk to Ben Spoon and be like, yo, how has my man not got the corner office with the fucking like city skyline view up? I on did. The I eventually floor. got a, I did get a new office with a nice window so I can look out and I can see outside finally. So that's nice. Oh, that's realize, good. That's good. Yeah, not trapped inside yeah. the corporate yeah. boxed. <laughs> you you didn't. You're not boxed like a fish anymore inside. Not the boxed like a fish. Not boxed like I, a fish. I think the only thing that I have that would kind of remotely qualify would just be some of my like like Cards Against Humanity or like. Wait, don't you have a vape? Millennial like, don't you have a vape? That's so millennial. Don't you have a vape? Unbelievably millennial. Vape is definitely Gen Take it from your I'm trying to not bring it out on the on the this this. That's a good point. That's oh, a great point. You know Thank what? you. That's I very respectful. You know I will and happily a big drink issue. beer on this podcast, but I will not smoke. <laughs> True. Thank you. That's Good. excellent. Let's sponsorship. Drawing a line in the sand. In which case, That's... email us. I mean, there, there probably is some vape company out there that would, would sponsor this stream. So. I mean, I think personally, you know, at the end of the day, I have a strong moral stance against vapes unless they give us a partnership. So I think that <laughs> like I don't have that. So I mean, realistically, right, it's, so it's not choice. that strong. It's you guys already had a freeze pipe. I guess I could smoke. Exactly. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on to talking about the new agent. There was a leak about the new agent. Everybody's favorite leakers in the scene, Sadak and DRX, somehow managed to leak the picture of this brand new agent that's supposed to be in the game, a duelist main. Theorized that it's going to be, I believe, from Singapore. We we went into the kind of Reddit detective stuff before from Uberchain. Um, that's not confirmed by any means, but that's the running theory. Uh, the the new agent apparently, I don't know whether this is a code name or its real name or whatever, is ISO. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a few official tweets um, showing like hints as well, talking about He's, it being. He carries super around accurate. a sewing kit. Does what? 
When did I there's see like, that? There, there's like a, there's like an image that they tweeted, and then it was like his, I think like ISO's stuff in like the bag that he carries or something, and there was like a sewing kit inside of it. Ah, interesting. I, see, I, see. I can see. I'll I'll find it. The first sewing agent. Okay, and and the the YouTube chat is is updating us that apparently the newer rumors are that he's from China, that it's a Chinese agent. Which would make sense as well, because part of the like detective stuff was that there was like a, I don't, dude, I don't even, I can't even track the thought process, but it was some kind of like Chinese hot pot or something oh, like that. Oh, it looked like a noodle dish, place. like Dan Dan yeah. noodles or something like that, something like that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, I don't know about that, but yeah. So, any any ideas? Give me give me some ideas of what this agent is going to be. If it's based on like accuracy and it's a duelist, are they adding the Soldier seventy six alt? Do we need to aim anymore? No, <laughs> beautiful tracking. Well, if he has a sewing kit, maybe he could attach the bullets to a string and he could like kind of throw them <laughs> around him back. like that, you know, pull them. Oh, he yeah, and then he's not ammo. wasting. Yeah, exactly. He's very eco-friendly, this agent. He's going to re reuse the bullets. He's he a little bit a like John Scorpion from Mortal Kombat, but instead it's, he's throwing a bullet through somebody's face and then pulling it back. He, is, he has a time warp. Every time he shoots, he drops everyone's frame rate to three per second. <laughs> mm. And he has time to perfectly line up the shot and okay. kill them. The first okay. lag switch agent has been dropped yep. with the official with it. Well, the first that would be official big. lag switch agent. First, yeah, official lag switch agent. We already yeah. had Astro Viper. His mm. ultimate just disconnects everybody <laughs> from the lobby. The uh, Neon's text during the middle of that like official hint was, um, he doesn't miss. Phoenix is going to hate this little mal. Which, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm informed that that's how Zoomers text each other. What if he's um, just really funny? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> he just doesn't miss. He's like a vast on a call. Every reference hits. Like it's unbelievable. He doesn't miss. I mean, I, it is interesting to see because it seems to be very much emphasizing like the target practice and like the bullet perfectly bullseye. But I feel like we already had an agent that's kind of built around that, which was like, you know, you kind of had like a chamber that kind of had that sort of vibe, you know? Mm. So I'm we don't have an agent with movement like you can run and gun. You know, like yeah. well, TF2 or Overwatch style. Well, I mean, Neon kind of was, yeah, I was about to say. Neon yeah, Neon's yeah, the closest I thing that. that we have. So, yeah, I guess Neon, but with, like, bullets. Well, they did just release Modern Warfare 3 remaster, so maybe it's an Akimbo 1887-like agent, you know, and he's going to mm. run around, like, in the COD lobbies, like... But I don't feel like that's it either, because, like, I feel like... But the thing is, it's just weird, because I think, like I said, the, for me, the vibes I'm getting are Chamber vibes, because I kind of feel like this is some of the marketing with Chamber... With kind of like where it's like he's super precise he's like cool he like hits every shot man he's so like i don't know it's kind of i have no freaking no freaking idea what well, the hell to he's give supposed you, to be doing to give you more of an idea right so the, the there are portals kind of floating or at least what look like portals floating around the map and look it kind of looks like he's going through some kind of portal here maybe and like these little teasers that pop up you know like how when yoru was released you would see footprints on the map uh, there's mm. like these little purple blobs on the floor where things are coming in and out of them. So the, the one of the rumors is that because his name, follow me here, because his name is ISO, which means yeah, you're like yeah. isolating things down into a 1v1, and because there's portals like potentially associated with the character as well, what if they've introduced the Gulag agent finally to Valorant? <laughs> what if you can drag people through a portal and ISO them and take them down in a 1v1? What if? What if? What if Bren was correct all along? You're just actually... You're just Mordekaiser in 
a fucking Valorant game now. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Now, I may uh, have told Bren while he was out drinking like a couple of hours ago, because remember, he's on Korean time. I may have told him that this was a fact and not a rumor. And so he may have sent me back a vertical video of him celebrating in the club. <laughs> I told you guys they were adding the gulag. I told you they were adding the gulag. Do we have any audio with this girl? <laughs> I mean, right, it's, it's kind of funnier without the audio. I'm not gonna lie. It's just him. There is audio. This is, we might get copyright struck depending on what the music is in the There, There is audio. I just didn't output it properly to you guys. My bad. But Dude, the viewers so, could hear it. It's so good. That is, <laughs> that, so good. That, that is very similar, and this is not connected to Valorant, this is not connected to the agent, but very much connected to another video that Bren posted in our group chat all the way back in AL 2019 from when he reinforced and Sideshow went to Vegas, and they went to an ice bar, and the whole bar is made out of ice, and then they edited a video together to a song, but then uploaded the video without any audio whatsoever into the group chat. <laughs> And it's like, it's like fucking four minutes long and it's them <laughs> dancing and wearing really big shaggy like fur bathrobes in this bar. And it is yeah. the funniest thing in the world because there's just no audio to it at all. <laughs> but so for the clarification, the viewers that. could hear it. I just didn't output it oh, to you guys okay. properly. Nice. Okay. That's it's Brian. I, th I think he's listening to like the the bleach uh, opening from, <laughs> and then he's just going nuts about the fact that the gulag's in the game. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on then. So one of the other changes that they've added into Valorant or planning to add into Valorant are these smokes changes. The uh, the, the fact that they now glitter like a vampire in Twilight, and then tell you when they're going to disappear with a little audio cue. And a lot of people are very angry about this. And a lot of other people are not angry about it at all. So I'm struggling to understand what to think. My emotions are raging inside my head. And I need you to tell me what to think, Valorant Plat Chat. I, I must know how to email. <laughs> That's my name. I'm Valorant Plat Chat. Nice oh, wow. Nice government um, name. My, my thoughts on this. So, of course, before you had to have a brain in your head. You had to know the numbers. Count down the time on a smoke. Oh, omen smoke. I need my little 14-second timer to be ready to fight past it. And that was always kind of a big advantage to controller players because obviously you know exactly when you placed your smokes and it's super easy to count down. You can comment to your teammates. And in the chaos of it, sometimes you get an advantage as, as the controller or as the team with the smoke because you know exactly when it's going to drop. Um, same with Viper Walls, right? You get to choose when you put it down. You know when something is going to happen. With the change, the idea is that it'll have this little, like, <laughs> effect that destroys your bitrate just like that um, <laughs> right before the smoke drops, so you'll always know. People are mad at this because they think it lowers the skill ceiling of the game, which it's like skill ceiling versus skill floor, skill ceiling as high as you can possibly be, skill floor, the like lowest possible brain you can have. People are pissed at this because they think it takes away that like advantage and takes away the part of the game where you're having to count down smokes and keep track of that in your head, which I think is to an extent true. But also, most of the people mad at this are like pros, high level, like talking about it as a competitive scene. And to be honest with you, I feel like I, most of the time in the competitive scene, people are really good at having that internal clock, that like internal timer, and being on top of when smokes are dropping. I feel like it's very 
rare that you see people being caught off guard unless there's like some crazy amount of chaos going on. I think it will make things easier at times. But on the other side, I think really what this change is aiming towards isn't lowering that skill ceiling. Because I think at the end of the day, most of the time, pros are doing a good job of keeping on top of this stuff anyway, that it likely won't have huge impact, even if it may slightly dip that ceiling. I think what it's really doing is raising up the floor and kind of removing a, a mechanic that can be pretty confusing to new players and piss and like you know piss piss you off you've randomly died through a smoke that you have no idea when it's dropping because especially everything has different timers it's like oh do i need to know the the harbor cascade is seven seconds but his wall is like the full 15 and it's like everything is slightly different that can be a really confusing whereas if you have this kind of visual cue to let you know when things are dropping it can help you to be ready for, for gunfights and things. And overall, at the end of the day, games like this are largely for a more casual, competitive audience. And I think ch a change like this that raises the skill floor a little bit is honestly good because I don't see it having a massive impact at the high level. I think it's a trade-off that is probably worth it, in my opinion. Nurge, actually, it's lowering the skill floor. I was oh, gonna say sorry. That. Yeah, okay, Nurge. My bad. Nurge alert. Owned. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like... Personally, I look at this and... I mean, to me, you know what this kind of reeks of? When I read this, I'm like, I'm reading... It feels too it feels too Counter-Strike pilled, essentially, when I hear this criticism a bit. And the reason I say that is because I feel like from... In a game like Counter-Strike, where there's a lot less base... Like, there's a lot less mechanics to keep track of. Knowing timings of smokes is, like, a very important, like, micro aspect, you know? Valorant, there's a lot more macro game going on there's a lot more timings there's a lot more abilities you're worried about interactions you're worried about like there's a way more mechanics to keep track of comparatively and i feel like and i think anders the anders suite that kurt brought up like was one of the best examples of that where um to me it's like yes does this technically lower that skill floor and does it make it so like we you don't have to keep you don't have an as, as much of an internal clock or like you know have as much of that really hyper-focused micro gameplay but a all all the pros already know this timing anyways and b it doesn't change the fact that like you still have to know the total time a smoke will last if you're planning like larger like rotations or like some interesting plays like based around a smoke all it does is tell you the last like what 1.5 seconds until it's about to go down like it doesn't really change yeah, anything that's else not even really that long that's not even that long enough to like refresh the smoke sometimes Ex exactly like you'd you still know, have to know a little before that anyway in order to so like i don't think it removes that expression it. of skill of like knowing the larger timings of smokes you know it's just as the the tail end of a of when a smoke is going down you know and like personally i feel like to me for a game like valorant and their focus is like we want the game to be as accessible as possible but the expressions of like the higher tier skill, which is like, and the real expressions of very, very high skill are like, how good are your mechanics? Like how good are you winning duels? And how well do you know, you know, the mechanics of your abilities besides that? And, but B also like the strategy and like, how do you like combo abilities? How do you entry onto a site together effectively? Like, how do you like, there's a lot more macro gameplay that I, in my opinion is the true expression of skill rather than like, okay guys, I started my stopwatch app and now I know the smoke will be down <laughs> in like and like i but it also doesn't even remove that aspect because it still only tells you the last 1.5 seconds of the smoke you know but when it's about to go down so like i don't think it looks very good no yes. i mean it looks kind of like disney-esque where like my fairy godmother's about to appear out of the smoke just a bit yeah like but i think that I think that honestly is my opinion. biggest issue with it is that i think they they're the one of the reasons why they wanted to introduce it is to uh, help address gameplay clarity 
or game state clarity. I can't remember what they exactly, what words they used to describe it as when uh, Ryan Cousart is talking about this. Um, but they're talking about adding clarity in terms of like what exactly is going on. But I think also this is um, a bit messy the way that they've presented it for visual clarity. It's just a bit like sparkly and in your face. Maybe it's just because we haven't played with it very much that I feel like that, but it just looks a bit odd to me. Um, I just don't know how else well, you just easily express thing. it, you know? How else would you really express, like, the smoke visually? Because, like, if you thin it, obviously, then the smoke is worse. So, like, you change the color of it? Yeah, maybe like, color. Color um, would be the first thing I would think of, but maybe that doesn't a, work A really so big countdown timer that appears over top of it <laughs> for, like, the last three seconds, and then it dissipates. <laughs> It, it reminds me very much of the discussion that people had when Valorant was first launched around like CS players coming in and being like, this game tells you how much money you're going to have for the next round. What about all the skill of tracking your economy? And like, you can see what ultimates the other team have and you don't have to track how many alt orbs they have. Like that kind of thing. Whereas I really like this in Valorant. I like the fact that it tells you exactly how much money you have for the next round so that you can plan around it. I like the fact that you can plan around the opponent's ultimate so that it's not like a, a, a guessing game. I agree entirely with Anders that the skill expression is more about how you play around these things rather than just keeping track of them. But I don't want it to go too far. Like, for example, yes. the the abilities that are on, like, 40-second cooldown timers, like, let's say when people play Silver Breach comps and you stun and you fault line, uh, sorry, you fault line and you use the recon and stuff, they come back 40 seconds later and you know that you have a 40-second window. I feel like it is a team skill to track those pieces of utility and track the timings and know when they're coming up like i would i think i would draw the line personally against it where like if the announcer you know how the, they added the announcer saying stuff like spike dropped a like if the announcer started saying recon dart back online in five <laughs> seconds something like that like that that is to me the point well, imagine which the audio quality Imagine yeah. the audio cutter where like oh, you're yeah. like it's like the the announcer goes like back to back to back. It's like all the utility is back <laughs> online. Online, like, so there's just online. Like, there's just no three way. Seconds. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> ever happen for sure. Yeah. I don't even know how you would be able to visual like ever be able to even show that even if they wanted to it would have to be audio i mean what you're gonna look at the enemy sova like jiggle peek him to see whether his recon's online. <laughs> you have a tracker it just on, doesn't on work. when you hit tab that tells you everything. I. I don't mind this. I'm not the biggest fan of this change. Um, I, I get all I get arguments on both sides, and I kind of find myself riding the fence a little bit. I think that Anders kind of really nailed it when he said um, made the comparison to like the jungle timers being added into League of Legends, which it was incredibly controversial uh, when Riot decided to do that. And I still, I think personally, overall, wish that they had never done that. Um, for me, I think that this is okay, but I think that this was. This is also kind of like the limit. Uh, I, do, I don't, similarly to what you guys are saying, like I don't want to see them continue to kind of push in this direction and change things that have been in the game to continue to increase accessibility. Because I think that, you know, like entry level accessibility is really important, obviously, when you're trying to just continue to build a, a player base, keep people sticking around and all that kind of stuff. But I don't want it to go so far into like baby mode that it becomes less fun to play. And I also don't want the game to be so difficult that like no one wants to, like no new player wants to pick it up like like StarCraft, you know? Like there's just such a high barrier of entry and so much knowledge that you need to, to kind of like really start diving into a game like StarCraft. Uh, I don't want that for the game, but I also just don't want it to be super fucking simple and everything is, is laid out and explained for you on the screen. So I think that 
this is okay. This kind of toes the line for for me as far as like keeping difficulty and, and skill ceiling balanced. I just don't want it to get out of hand from here on out. Mm. I think a lot of the people who are mad about this as well have just learned it. They're probably like, you know, the lower level players that have just learned how this just works. Put in all this annoyed. fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually though, right? Um, okay, let's let's talk about some competitive Valorant that's been happening because there's been a bunch of uh, show matches that we're going to talk about later on, there's, uh, but there's also been some EMEA qualifiers for the Red Bull tournament. And this Red Bull tournament looks pretty sick, actually. Uh, but the EMEA qualifiers were occurring with uh, a bunch of teams from a range of different kind of tiers. Um, you had uh, a tier two team that made it to the grand finals and did really well. You had brand new team kind of with heretics after they've made tons of roster moves uh and then you had uh g2 playing in there as well the g2 goes the game changers team but the team that i wanted to start with the focus on is foot who made a couple of roster changes they brought in cned and they were required we, we had a whole conversation last week about is cned going to be better than kiwi in this team is cned going to be forced to flex around quite a lot and he was farming on rays <laughs> i mean foot wiped the floor with this tournament with cracks popping off, CNED popping off, they even had to uh, bench their IGL for the final match, and they still won with gays, uh, guys, sorry, playing as um, their like breach and I guess probably IGL, uh, their coach uh, in the in the final game. But this was a this was a fun tournament, and Focus definitely pushed them to like OT in a lot of situations. They had I think like I think Focus had like four or five different OT maps over the course of this tournament, but. Uh, Foot ended up kind of smacking them on map three and decisively winning the final 3-0. It was a good showing. I didn't get to watch any of this. I actually will have to go back and, and, and check it out and see how this all went doing home ground. But um, that sounds cool, obviously. WCNED, <laughs> glad to see that he's doing it. <laughs> that to, sounds glad cool. To, sorry, glad to hear that. I'm, I'm always happy to hear that CNED is doing well because we kind of saw like, the evolution of him like coming out of his shell and everything on on, on navi and kind of just having a little bit more personality yeah. but we didn't get to see those peaks that we got from him in like 2021 that's just disgusting um so i'm i'm a i'm a cned stan i support this guy and it's good to to hear that he's having some nice early success with the the new team yeah i i think cned joining this team is like a good addition of like explosivity to say like the most castery thing possible that I feel like they were they were lacking at some times last year where I mean they would go to they went to two international events and especially at Tokyo they ended up playing a lot of the same just like really structured like Leviathan kind of style we've scrimmed this exact exec we're going to do it again the same way I think CNET gives someone who's going to be able to take some more agency uh, and come out and do that and I think we saw some of that in this tournament and also he just looks good individually turns out you put the guy that's really good at the duelist role on this team looks solid i mean we've known for a long time cracks he only plays ko she played a couple other agents this tournament but he still only plays ko if you have a one trick ko you combine it with with a guy like cned you're going to be able to set him up really well this foot team had a good structure going back last year i think it's a comfortable place for cned from what we saw here and obviously the level of competition at this tournament was not as high as it's going to be at emea or in the international uh, international competition next year but for a start i feel like we got a, a nice little little taster of hey this guy he's still pretty good at the game and seems like he's finding his place on this team i mean his like first kill to first death rate across the tournament was disgusting let me see if i can pull it up for the finals he was 18 to 6 in first kills 
which is yeah, that's pretty wild. nasty. Fucking just... Yeah. That, I think considering that, that they didn't even play with their IGL for the final like series, I was like, <laughs> they they were they were pretty, and they were playing with the head coach. I mean, like they were, it was for like this is preseason, so like it's all kind of Mickey Mouse, you know, obviously. But like they were they were raw, they looked pretty raw. But I think Mimi kind of nailed it for me because when I thought about a footballist last year, um, it's like yeah, they felt like it's one of those things where I think those teams that are trying to find their footing, they're like. They only have, there's which way Western man? There's like two ways. It's like you're either gonna go like full like we are we are just in we're like gunning we're running, or like we're like super reserved like very very scrim heavy very exec heavy like we're trying to like keep stick to the plan we're not trying to deviate and like they lose a lot of that middle ground flexibility of like the explosiveness you see from like top teams or like they have the, they have all the set plays they have the coordination they have the execs but also they're willing to they're able to adapt and like just kind of explode and do something crazy like with their micro plays on sides of the map you know like fighting for different angles fighting for different flanks like very often and i think someone adding someone like cena that has that experience and the firepower to do so is i think it's really going to do well when you have like players like add captain and and uh mr i love to call him mr phelan but is i mean like i think is this, is this actually <laughs> Fall, mr fallen fall, right? yeah <laughs> yeah so like he, I think he went players nuts. Like that. he was playing really well no he was yeah, yeah there i mean like i think overall like this team with cned it's i think it gives them some of that flexibility that i feel like they lacked last year a bit while get while adding some star power firepower yeah uh, i mean it certainly does if cned's willing to pick up other roles i think that's that was my man, that was what i said last week is that my main concern is that they just shoved cned in the jet jet one trick locker but I think if they really rely on him to play a range of other stuff, it'll be good for him and it'll be good for the team. Um, and yeah, you could see that CNED was pretty vocal. I mean, I'm inferring that from looking at the cams, but he was very emotional on cam and he was also very uh, like communicative, directing people to do certain things as well. So I think that kind of experience is, is going to showcase itself. Uh, Heretics also, it was the first time that we'd seen them play with their two new Turkish players as well, Rian and Woot, um, who both were up there in terms of the stats for the tournament. Uh, it, I don't... I mean, it's hard to say, really, because they played three BO1s, one of which they won 13-0, and one of which they just kind of got slapped by foot. And then, you know, it's... it's. I don't think you can really put, tell too much from this tournament, but, you know, it looks all right, I suppose. I, I, I don't really have too much more to say. Yeah, yeah I can't... <laughs> Yeah, you need to see more than just there. three BO1s um, I don't, in order to I don't really think know. I could tell you who was on Heretics last this year, let <laughs> well, alone the, know anything about... There wasn't about. much reason to watch um, them. <laughs> well, there was uh, the big guy, you heard of his name, probably Mixwell, okay? Well, you probably heard of him, mm, but... Right. Yeah, what about was either dropping Zeke. 30 or dropping Valor, zero. Zeke was on there, yeah. wasn't he? Ah, <laughs> uh, we don't know. Yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> Heretics doesn't like to talk about that. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I think the overall main event, though, is, gonna, is looking like it's going to be really competitive. I, Foot are going to be up there. Obviously, Foot have just won this EMEA qualifier. You've got Cloud9 coming off the back of winning the 10 tournament as well, along with some heavier hitters uh, like DRX and Fnatic. Uh, unknown whether DRX will be playing with their full team, though. Achilles, what do you reckon? You're the DRX uh, enthusiast. Are they going to troll? I haven't I haven't had a fucking read on these guys this entire year, basically. Like, ever since the first flip-flop between Foxy9 and Zestiker, and I was just like, I, you know what? I just don't know what's happening anymore. Um, it's like being in a relationship with somebody who's just persona changed overnight and just a di different person. Um, I think that, I think they're going to come at this and, and, and take it a bit seriously. I'm curious to see, like, what 
their five ends up looking like. I don't think that we're um, I don't think we're going to be seeing like too much of their their sub roster or anything. But I I'm, I think that they're probably going to try to use Foxy Nine. Um, that would be my guess. Whether that's Foxy Nine with RB in the roster with Zest in the roster, uh, you know, because I feel like. I feel like they're going to pivot one of those two if they're running with Foxy9. Um, I don't know. All I can say is I think that we probably won't see Flashback. I think that Flashback gave a decent showing at the, uh, was it the Tenant Invitational yeah. in Busan. He had some good, he had a, you know, a shaky start as you would expect from a, a player who hasn't really played on stage before, hasn't played in a, a big event on LAN and, and everything, um, at least on Valorant. Like, I think he had a little bit of a rocky start, but by the end of it, he was... He was doing some really good lurking uh, with his Viper play. I was kind of impressed by him, but I, I don't think that we'll see him at the that event. My dude was actually just playing like Get Right in 2013. <laughs> he was on the lurk every round. <laughs> it was driving me nuts actually watching. Was. But but he does look like he has quite a bit of potential, yeah. Um, the, the other part to this tournament, though, that again drew eyeballs was the fact that Okay, so Focus did pretty well and people were impressed with them. But on the other side of things, you have G2 Goes in the G2 Game Changers team who won nine rounds over the course of their three BO1s that they played. And this, of course, drew some community attention because it's one of the first times that we've actually seen a Game Changers team participating in like a... Uh, this is... I think I would call this a Tier 1 competition, right? Because when you look at the teams that are in the main event, it's, you know, it ranges all the way up to the skill of Fnatic. So... This is, you know, even though not all of the teams are tier one level, it's like a, you know, tier one, tier 1.5 kind of event. And we haven't really seen the Game Changers teams get invited to this event before. And listen, not to beat around the bush, they got slapped. I mean, G2 goes and got 13 uh, nilled, then 13-5, then 13 4 as well. But I think Mimi came out with a, I mean, yeah, Mi Mixwell, I don't think was trying to be shitty here, but he said, <laughs> welcome back to the 13-0 club, reminiscing on his own time in the 13-0 club with G2 um, when they got beaten up by uh, Gambit. Um, but Mimi from G2 put out a tweet saying how rewarding the entire experience was and talking about how these initiatives, which I think they're basically referring to the fact that like they got invited to a tier one event, right? Are what's going to help not only our team but the game changers seem to improve um i i i was left a little disappointed that the gap was as large as it appeared to be between these teams but at the same time these were a fairly good crop of tier one and tier two teams like focus is really not bad at all they've always been punching so the competition here maybe just being a little a little more difficult than the field uh, that they would be used to. What's your feel on this, Mimi? Sure. I, I think for, for one thing, um, first of all, I think Game Changers teams playing in mixed tournaments, in just normal tournaments, very good. If we have not been listening to fucking Melanji preach for the last 50 years, there's, there should just be one thing to learn. That it's just like, the best way to improve is to play in mixed events. And I think that's why we've seen, generally, at least talking about North, the North American GC scene here, the teams who are playing the most non-game changers events are the ones who are rising up and doing the best. Your your V1s, your Shopify's, your your teams that are going out there 
and competing in other things, it's just the best way you can learn because you get such a kind of closed off amount of tournament experience if you're only playing these GCs and you're only playing against one type of team. A lot of the time these tournaments are like slogging through qualifiers of like really random ass, like ascendant, immortal, average, like open qualifier teams. You know, credit to them. They're just trying to have fun, but it's not the, the practice you need if you want to push to be like a proper tier two level team. People will shit on them because they got shit on. That's, you know what, that's always going to happen. But I, I think the thing is, to the credit of her tweet, it, it is good. Like, going there, getting land experience, it's something different. I imagine the idea of this was ahead of the Game Changers Championship that they qualified for, is going and getting land experience, and getting experience, honestly, losing to, to other teams. Uh, that's another thing that, that Mel and a lot of the players have talked a lot about, that, like, learning to lose. When you're one of the better teams in Game Changers, you're just winning every tournament, and you're like destroying people and that was g2 for a while they struggled more in this game changers i don't think they're in their best form right now but that's definitely an important factor i think the question then comes down to because this was an invite right for the cmea qualifier all these teams were invited yeah i believe yes. so yeah invite. that's that's where it becomes a little bit more you know kind of it is what it is like it's it's an invited tournament if this was an open qualifier they got shit on that is what it is i think the reason that people are mad is like oh, they got invited and they took a slot another team that would have been more competitive could have had. And, you know, like, I, I kind of get that. There's probably a lot of other Tier 2, Tier 1 teams that would have put up, uh, you know, a closer games than what G2 goes and ended up doing. But I think, it, you know, it's it's a tournament. If a team gets invited, if a team wants to play, honestly, credit to them for going out there and, and doing it. I think it's a step in the right direction. Am I disappointed that the gap was that big like you were saying, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. I wish they did way better. Uh, again, I don't think they're in their best form, but I think teams playing these mixed events is the only way we're going to get closer to having like actual Game Changers players and teams at a higher level. So I think it is important to do so. Um, but then it goes back. I feel like in EMEA, I don't keep as apprised on the scene, but compared to a lot of the NA top teams, I feel like I see... I mean, I guess there's not as many, like, Tier 2 tournaments to play in EMEA as we have here in North America. I feel like I see a lot less teams competing in those. So that's yeah. kind of, like, my biggest thing of just, like, teams, please, if you are a top GC team, sign up for Tier 2 tournaments. Compete in them. That is the best I, way to improve. I think, though, in EMEA, it's not the team's faults at all. All of the Tier 2 tournaments in EMEA are region-locked. Yeah. Uh, they, in all of their rules, it says like three out of five of you have got to be from Germany, or like three out of five of you have to be yeah, from the UK. And it's that, or, or like, it's like the Challengers leagues, which are like locked system to even get into. So. Yeah, exactly. So basically, in, in I think this is highlighted in a bigger issue is that why the hell it, this is completely separated actually from game chasers entirely but why the hell is the entirety of EMEA region locked? Why is every tournament region locked? I don't get it. I don't understand. And I feel like it kills the competition in the scene. Because even if you think about things from the wider circuit perspective, you want more experience playing against other people from your level or a level above. You want a wider pool of people to play against. You don't want to just be participant in German-only events or French-only events or stuff like that. And it also hampers the multinational... Um, game changes scenes from mm -hmm. from participating in these tier two tournaments to the same degree because i don't think even if even if g2 wanted to participate in some of the others i don't think they'd be able to find too many of them so that that to me is the biggest issue and it's directly hampering their involvement because i i do think that it's probably a bit too much for them i, I mean maybe we'd have to wait until we see the very best game changers teams participating in tournaments like this because g2 like you said are not currently like bbl just won the 
uh, most recent EMEA tournament. Yeah, they did. G <laughs> two uh, dropped out like they weren't even in the finals. They are. They had roster changes since the last GC champs, and they're they are not dominant in the same way they were before. Yeah. So maybe maybe we'd have to wait until BBL were playing in a tournament like this. But my suspicion is that the game changer circuit still needs more experience playing in tier two competitions that need to be opened up more so that they can actually play in them before you introduce them to tournaments like this and you can really take too much away. Because I don't know about you guys, but Connor, I, when I was participating in like playing TF2 at a top level, I know that that isn't really applicable, but I would not go for... I, I would not try and scrim teams that would like shit on us. I would try and scrim teams that would beat us like in a close or kind of close fashion. I wouldn't go out there looking to get 13 nil. And if we were playing Platchat Premier, I wouldn't go and try and find, like, a scrim against Sentinels or something. I'd try and find a scrim against somebody. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'd be close like versus better. Sentinels. Yeah, I mean, I, you <laughs> never know. You never close. know what could happen with, uh, I mean, you play a con I mean, it's just two content orgs at that point. Platchat Premier and Sentinels, you know? We got two <laughs> content orgs playing each other at that point. I mean, I, I think... I think the interesting... I, I, I think the more interesting part of this, realistically, is... The tier two discussion in EMEA, not so much the because like let's be like what is the like essentially the argument is like you're making is like people are like well it's like pretty much like what you know it was a marketing stunt and I'm like okay but it's an off season tournament like at the end of the day it's like not really that important to anything you know it doesn't really have any relevancy sure. to anything in the wider scene so like what does it really matter if there is like we invite some teams that maybe like didn't have their best chance I think. There's you a know, chance there that a Heretics could have got 13-0, 13-0. Yeah, we didn't know what I mean, that like, team was going to do. I mean, I mean, you know, you never, like, essentially for me, like, I think the debate around this issue is, like, what, essentially when we even, like, this is a very different issue that I think we have a different topic later on, which I think is a more interesting debate. This debate is, like, a non-sequitur to me because it's kind of just, like, we're essentially just giving airtime to the fact it's, like, should, like, are women bad at video games? And, like, that's, like, I'm, to me, I'm, like, that's, like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem, like, even worth discussing because it feels like it's, like, this is an off-scene tournament, you know? Like, why are we that worked up about it? We know Game Changers teams need to be playing in other events to get better. Um, so, like, it's just, the, the, the wider discussion is, like, why is EMEA all region locked? And like, like, why the hell can't they can't go in and then be participating in other tier two tournaments anyways? You know, besides this, I think that's like the more interesting point here. And I'm almost certain my brain, the reason it goes this way is because I'm almost certain Europe does that because it's easier to sell partners if you're like regionalize it because 100%. EU has a very hard time selling EU broad sponsors because all the countries have very different like laws and things like that. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's, I'm almost certain that's the reason they do it for the, the TOs and the orgs that operate in that way. Um, but it's obviously bad for the holistic competition and like for teams to get consistent practice at the tier two level. Um, but yeah, I, I think G2, obviously G2, like I have no issue with them being there. I think it's already been said to death a million times, like they need to play in larger events. They need to play against better competition and that's how they're going to improve. And like, I think just looking at the arc from what the start of Game Changers was, to what the teams are playing at now, I have there is no doubt in my mind that the current level of game changer teams, like you've seen that improvement in competition because they've just had more exposure than when the scene first started, you know. Um, so I think it's kind of like, you know, obviously that needs to keep happening. Um, it's more so like, hey Europe, let's fix the regionalization <laughs> problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm scrolling back through like current events in EMEA right now, and the only things that are like open 
are, there's there's so few events that are not a specific region. You scroll through this, it's like ninety percent of events are oh it's a it's a French event, it's a Spanish event, it's a it's a whatever a Danish event I guess. Like everything is so specific that yeah, like you're saying, Josh, they don't have the same opportunities to compete. If you compare it to like the the V1 Cloud Nine White Core, they've went and played in like the like Philly Lands in that NSG put on um, back when they used to do that. They've played in, like, Knights events pretty much every time. There's just so much more potential in NA to play in these events. Like, you see, they're playing more third-party events than they are things. Yeah. And they're not doing fantastic. They're not winning those events, but they're competing in them. They're playing against tier two teams, and that's why they've improved so much. And yeah. it's, it kind of goes back to the broader issue with the MEA of just everything is so locked down that you just don't have the same opportunities. So, honestly... I mean, if I was a player, if I was a manager of G2, I would fucking snap at any opportunity to, to play in an event of really any time just because I feel like there's so few out there. And it's I think it sucks that they got rolled as hard as they did, but I feel like it's more indicative of a larger problem with EMEA Game Changers and just the lack of tournaments in EMEA as a whole. Mm. Uh, and... I mean, part of me hates that the fact that the majority of stuff that we end up talking about on um, on Platchat is around the drama in the Game Changers scene rather than the results of Game Changers, but I think that's my own fault for not following the scene as closely as like Mimi, Mimi and Bala and stuff like that. But I mean, the next topic is just more of that, to be honest, because Evil Geniuses removed one of their Game Changers players uh, after they qualified for champions in Sao Paulo. Um, use the restroom, and, I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And... Uh, they... What a close in of him smiling as he left to go piss. I was like, <laughs> I just got a snapshot of Seth. He's like, like right I mean, there. Like, in terms of uh, pissing incidents, nobody beats yours, do they? Have asked the, the, that's the true. flow stream. So. To this day, to this day, I demand someone have a similar pissing incident. They can't. They can't replicate it. <laughs> no, they wouldn't want to replicate it actually. Uh, but yeah, so evil geniuses almost immediately actually removed their game changes player after misogynistic comments um on i mean a range of platforms i think it was probably the the tweets that ended up blowing up but then there was a bunch of like videos and stuff like that as well that were all similarly very creepy as well and um yeah i i i don't want to give airtime particularly or go into detail about like how shitty of a person they are but it is it is tragic that people are abusing the, a space that's specifically designed to try and provide opportunities to people who are not being given them yeah. regularly. Like, it's it's so fucked. Yeah, to pop off again, I, I think generally what's going on, there's a, there's a lot of different arguments around this, because obviously EG didn't release, hey, we're firing Keensey because of these tweets. They were very vague in their statement. Um, but uh, I don't know why I pronounced that word like that. I, I, so that was like, that was like me receding into the most like fucked up Midwestern accent possible. I used to get so mad as a kid when people said vague like that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, people in the Midwest say vague. Some do. It's horrific. It's horrific. what some of the uh, also like bag bagel. Well, see, yeah, bagel, yes, but I thought like Vogue to me is more so like you're like some Eastern I mean, European I had, fashionista. I like, had some friends in high school who like their family would say like like vag and i was like i 
that's not how you say that word. Dude, that's the Midwest not... is a crazy place. It is. Don't... Is a Wisconsin is a crazy place. They're Anyways, frying up cheese curds and shit. What the fuck was I talking about? Kinsey. Uh, so there were, there were some clips released. They said some weird shit to people. They made some weird misogynistic comments. I think there's there's some discourse about their identity and all that stuff. I don't, I don't want to get into that because I don't think there's any definitive proof. And I think a lot of the time that can be a, a bad faith argument. But I feel like the biggest thing that should be discussed here isn't whether to put this person on trial for being a good or bad or whatever they did because they did some dumb and bad shit is just how hard this fucks eg for for context for people who don't keep up on the gc scene v1 has won every event ever always and forever uh and shopify is almost always and forever the second place team everyone expected that to be the two teams going we make it to the grand finals and eg uh, they're a pretty new team. Only like two weeks before the tournament, they picked up two new players. Uh, they made a few roster changes. They get knocked down the lower bracket immediately. They go on this crazy run. They beat DSG, who was one of the top four teams last time. They beat Complexity, who was in the final last time. They beat Wingman P Patrol, who's a really good like tier two team. And then finally, they beat Shopify, who was the team that is always in the finals. And then they fucking go on to beat version one in the grand finals. Before this, V1 had only ever lost one map in Game Changer history like ever as a team and they never dropped a series first series they ever drop is in this grand finals easy go on this crazy run they win it all they the only way they could have made it to gc championship was by winning this tournament they fucking locked their spot in brazil it's an insane story and all during that keensey highest rated player of the event they are absolutely nuts at the video game for whatever they are as a person you cannot deny that they are absurdly talented and they game. also, sorry, you said that EG made recent roster moves, but Kinsey wasn't one Kinsey of those recent roster moves. was not one of the moves. recent roster moves. Yeah. Kinsey has been an established been on the player team for a while. in the scene and playing for EG for a, a fair bit. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I'm a little bit more like, I don't know about the questions around like their identity being real or whatever. I don't really want to yeah. kind of entertain that because they have been in the scene for quite a while, despite the fact that they've done bad things. I don't know. Um but yeah, they go on this crazy run, and now with Kinsey gone, it puts this team in a, such a tough spot, because one, one of the big reasons they made it on this whole crazy run to even make it to the championship is having a player who is outperforming in every other like individual at the entire event. Now they're gone. They're going to have to scramble to find someone with like a month of prep time before the tournament. So kind of just honestly is a tragedy for the rest of the CG roster, because they are just getting... Yeah fucking rolled now after kind of going from probably the i mean 100 percent the highest point of any of these players careers to now being in this scramble ahead of the only international competition game changers has that they just qualified for to try and put together a roster and find someone who can replace skeensy and honestly that's going to be a real tough player to 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 replace i mean that's like if like optic heading into champions yeah, like, Ye got fired for being a shitty person, and they had to, like, scramble to find someone. Like, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough for them to get a good replacement. Yeah. It, it is brutal. And I know that this is... I, I know we don't want to go into the specifics here, particularly of the identity stuff, because it, I agree that a lot of it is just seems like dogpiling, to be honest. But the... Um, the... the, the, the it, it does always bring up the same topic of... Is it too easy to do this? Blah, 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 blah. But I think what people don't quite realize is that there's the 
when, whenever you're trying to create a test, no matter what it is, I, I come from a bit of a, I say a bit of a medical background. I, I went to med school, right? And then I got kicked out. So that's what my brain always goes towards. <laughs> that's but, a bit of a medical background, you know? A bit of a, yeah, exactly. Like a tiny <laughs> medical background. So whenever you're trying to make a, a test to distinguish between something or something else, um, in this case, whether or not somebody should be allowed to play in Game Changers or not be allowed to play in Game Changers, you you almost always have to sacrifice two two concepts. You have to make a compromise between them. One is sensitivity and the other specificity. So it's basically like your false positive rate and your false negative rate. It's almost impossible to create some kind of test, no matter for, for whatever in life, that detects 100% of things accurately and also make sure that you exclude 100% of people that are not supposed to be picked up. And so it feels like Game Changers has gone the route of trying to include as many people as possible and try to introduce as few um false negatives as possible right so uh, somebody that should be allowed to to be in involved who ends up being put on the outside of things because of the test that they're using and i think what people don't quite understand is there has to be a compromise between the two the more open you make it and the more you try to include people in a space that doesn't um the that, that it's very easy to get excluded from because of a, a range of different issues um the the more you're going to allow people to abuse a system like that. And that's just how Game Changers has chosen to kind of make its system, to be as inclusive as possible. And yeah, yeah. that's going to mean that it is possible to abuse the system. But that, in my opinion anyway, does not mean that you should lock the fucking shit down and make it so that you need, like, I don't know, it tattooed on your forehead or something to be able to participate. Like, I don't think that those logically follow from each other. Um, it's just going to be a reality of the situation that some people abuse it in the same way that some people abuse cheats in games, right? Like, we know that we don't want everybody to have to play on LAN at all times. We do still want to have an online aspect to video games. So you, you, in order to allow that to happen, you also have to live with the fact that some people are going to cheat the system. And I think that that's just one of the realities of the Game Changer system is that it's going to exist with people trying to cheat it because people are fucking bad people. Yeah. And and for context, uh, what you're talking about there is the North American system, where it is quite open, where they want to allow non-binary folks, they want to basically allow anyone with, a, I think the terminology is any, any marginalized genders to play, which means uh, like NB folks can play, women can play, obviously. And that opens up to a lot more stuff, because at the end of the day, a lot of people, even if they're, uh, they're non-binary, if they're, if they're trans or something like that, can't, not everyone because a lot of people are young, might not have parental support or the ability or be in a relationship or something where they can't get like an identifier changed on a birth certificate or get something like that that is like, if you look at it like, oh, that's definitive proof. You're the identity you say you are. It's just not realistic for a lot of people. And so that's why they want to do this because so many people are young. So many people don't have that agency to be able to do so, which I think is good. If you really, really heavily lock this down, you're going to remove the ability for a lot of people who deserve to play in the scene to be able to play. And if you compare that to some of the other regions, for instance, EMEA's rules are a lot tighter. Um, I'm pretty sure they don't allow non-binary players. It's it's only if you're... Really? I didn't uh, know that. I'm pretty certain they don't allow NB players, or at least that's how it was for a while. I haven't read their rule book recently. Uh, it's, it's only women who can play. So that kind of difference there is kind of representing the this i don't think the reasoning for that is necessarily just for having more scrutiny i think it has to do with like countries and stuff i don't i don't know fully why they do that but um that's kind of them taking a different line on that and overall well na is generating a lot of drama and issues sometimes like the whole fucking like 
AI generated player that was competing in the qualifier, like like all this random drama that comes out every GC. It's kind of just a byproduct of having that openness and giving these giving people the place to play, uh, to to play. And for the most part, we haven't had incidents where, up until this event, really at like the highest level, this has been an issue. It's mostly in the qualifiers where the bullshit happens. Again, not saying this is necessarily applicable to the Kinsey situation. Don't want to speculate on their identity beyond just what they did to get fired but to bring back to the discussion as a whole you're always finding that kind of place between those two variables and the different scenes have found different places and personally i would prefer more leaning more towards the openness that we have in north america even though it comes with a lot of drawbacks i think it's it's worth it to allow people to compete who wouldn't have the ability to otherwise deserve to <laughs> they are weighing in. They're weighing in the discussion here. They go full of yeah. feelings. Oh, that's a big cat. Yeah, she's tiny. There we go. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to did. derail. No, no, that's okay. Okay. I mean, that, like, uh, that, that's a, that's a, a, I mean, it's I don't a nice have much vibe to shift. Say. Well, was, I wanted nice to end shift. on a positive I'm, note. I'm I wanted much, to end on a positive yeah, note. Yeah, I have nothing so, else to add to that because it's all been added. So. The Katsumi recently tweeted um, that they were having an update about leaving game changers, but not for any kind of bad reason, because they just wanted to push themselves further into like an uncomfortable territory of playing in tier two in the wider like VCT challenges kind of circuit. So I, I think this is really cool. Katsumi's a player that's been playing, I mean, uh, like won a ton of stuff with Cloud9 White, right? And then moved over yes. to playing for Exet, I believe. Um, and is just talking in this tweet about the fact that they don't really think that they're ready or could be, but have decided to take the leap into playing on uh, mixed rosters and just going to be playing on, you know, teams outside of game changers, which I think is uh, pretty cool. I know that they said in the tweet that they don't want to make a big deal of it, but I think that this is a, a pretty sick thing that I hope we see more people in game changers do because it seems like it's difficult for full teams to make the leap. So... Doing it on an individual basis might be the, the the next best thing. And I think that's the goal here, personally. I think I didn't want to add anything to the last topic because we talked about it, but to this topic is more interesting because, you know, some people have brought up points of like, well, like, you know, what's the point of game changers? Or like, what what's the success of game changers? And I think for me, when I holistically look at it, it's like, it's kind of moments like this. And also like when you actually give players, especially like women or marginalized genders, the chance to like compete in a safe environment. And then they feel comfortable enough to be like, I'm ready to take the leap now to like play in more mixed rosters, to play in larger tier two circuits. I think that's part of the points of initiative of game changers is to give someone that base that they can compete safely and they feel comfortable. And then once they gain the experience and kind of like know that they're like ready and they kind of get a lot of that initial um, learning curve done, they can be like, I'm ready to take the leap. I, I feel like I'm ready to keep continuing on forward into this. I think that's part of the reason of why game changers exist, in my opinion. Like giving that someone that initial platform to get experience and grow and, you know, then learn. And secondly, I also think that like when people brought up arguments of like, you know, what, especially with dramas, I was like, oh, is it game changers? Like what's, you know, what what's the point of this? Is like how many, um, when we think back, like literally just five, six years ago, like in like I think it was CS League Legends and stuff like that. Like how many women players could people in the general populace that followed esports even name off the top of their head? And I feel like here with Valorant, there's a lot more, the much larger percentage of the player base that actually knows like game changers players that actually knows them by name, that knows that that actually know like hey they compete, um and they are like making a name for themselves. So to me, that's also why I feel that 
this is still a successful initiative despite uh that despite you know some of the challenges that obviously arise from that because like i because even myself personally and like i i would say like six seven years ago when i was really getting into esports and like professionally i could not name any maybe like one two max female players that were competing um and so i feel like this is obviously a huge shift to what game changers has done for the valorant player base and like the people that follow competitive valorant you know so overall i think this is like a great thing that katsumi is doing and also still shows that there is a success um for the initiative as a whole yeah i mean they uh it's one of the most watched um non-male products in esports as well i think it might be the most watched I i'm not it 100% is on the that. most watched nothing really comes close and honestly, most of the other stuff that is cropping up now kind of has come as a result of, of game changers. Like Owl Circuit, Rocket League, Zoom League expanding, a lot of that is, is Valorant pushing it. It is by far the biggest product for any yeah, non-male esport that exists. Yeah, yeah, because you'll uh, just see players on ranked and people will be like, oh shit, that's like Mel, you know, from V1, that's Floor. You know, like people will just know names and I don't feel like that ever really happened you know, to yeah. women that were competing yeah. before. So yeah. Nobody knew your name when you competed either, though. Yeah, but I was just a nobody, so that was two different things. That was like that was I was my ass was not winning. Well, actually, there was a period of time where my ass was winning, but like not that. Your that ass was, was firmly history. glued to the bench. I was gonna say, your your ass, ass was, was yeah. never. That winning. was more so 2017 me. That was 2017 me. Okay, right. Lord forgive me. You're gonna make me go back to my old way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me act up. <laughs> make me act up. Uh, you okay. know, I saw the I saw Huck in Toronto. Did you? Oh, yeah, I saw the president there? of gaming. For those that are in the know, he the was he was there. The president Holy of gaming shit. was there, and I uh, I ran into him at a boba shop because in Toronto there's a bo a, a a Michelin starred boba chain Michelin that started one. in Taiwan. Can't remember the name of it, but uh, and I pulled up with my crew, and then his crew pulled up, which I was assuming the gaming secret service as they protected. And you had a dance after. off. Uh, we did not have a dance off. Instead. I, I literally yelled at him. Like there was like so many people in this boba tea shop too. And I literally I turned, I saw his ass because he's he's you know he's kind of tiny. So I was like I saw I kind of turned, I looked down, and I was like, President! I was I yelled <laughs> President at him. Oh memories, oh memories. All right, let's let's keep moving on. So M80's roster. Let's talk about some challenges shit happening now. So M80 have kept their team together. They're one of the only teams that have really. Like one of the team, most of the teams that had the quality to be able to make it into the partnership system, a lot of them have like broken to pieces. And I'm thinking of Apex specifically in EMEA. Their their players have scattered and now look like they're joining all of partnership teams. Uh, Shadow has just been linked most recently to Koi, but M80 are deciding to stick together, and their roster looks nasty. Um, this is a tweet from Purist saying that BCJ is set to join M80 for the upcoming Challenges se uh, season. We had Nitro already linked with this roster as well. I mean, look at this roster. Koala Noob, Nismo, Nitro, Xander, BCJ. That is... That is filthy. That's really a disgusting good. roster. Yeah. Assuming Nitro is still obviously, like, as good as he was. Like, he took a break. Like, he's obviously still competing in Counter-Strike, but yeah. I mean, yeah. like, that's a nasty fucking roster. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a beastie one, and pretty cool for BCJ as well because he, I, I really felt for the guy. He put out some uh, some tweets where he was talking about his time on the reserve roster for EG, and he said that it was you know a good experience, but he just wanted to compete, and I feel like that would have been really difficult for anybody, just being on the bench knowing that you're a top player. BCJ was one of the top, I think maybe the top rated initiator player coming out of uh, champions when he played right before partnerships began. 
and then he's just kind of benched for a player that becomes the best in the world and his team ends up winning champions and he's just there on the bench like oh guys <laughs> yeah. that's gonna I be mean, gut-wrenching this is i mean obviously like the reserve roster system really really helped eg but this is the drawback is that like keeping a steady reserve roster is just going to be impossible because these players yeah. ultimately what you want to do is just you want to compete you want to be on stage you want to be up there sharing in that glory rather than just cheering from from the back lines unless you're a bass in which case you're happy to just ride the bench but, yeah sure i was like, so thrilled <laughs> but for the most part you know you you want to be out there so you could always kind of have like a revolving door, I guess, of people coming in, but ultimately uh, trying to keep a reserve roster is just tied down. It's just never really going to work. So I'm, I'm really happy for BCJ. He's a great guy. Big cock Johnson back on the stage uh, yep. with M80. I think that that's going to be really fucking cool to see. Yeah, I mean, they could have been in partnership this year, depending on how the ruling riot, you know, would have changed sure. potentially. Yeah, you know, true. They hadn't, like, they, like this, this roster literally could be in VCT this year, like depending if, if a ruling had gone a different way. Um, so like, this I is going to be a nasty roster. <laughs> I also personally think that, um, uh, I think it's time to call it. I think it's time to end subs in esports. I think it's time to mm. call it. Like, I, I actually think I've, I've arrived to this point in my life where I think subs in reserves in esports are just like, I was already feeling this way years ago anyways, but I'm like, I think it's fine to call it the great experiment is over. It's just, I understand EG was like, we couldn't have done it without the reserve roster. And I'm sure that's partially correct. But I feel like they probably could have done it. <laughs> 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 just, just my, me I, on the outside I, with years of trauma I, of being I, a bench boy. I, I think mean, you're lying. <laughs> I'm just thinking that they probably could have done it without the reserve roster. <laughs> I just think because at the end of the day, it's like, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Like, there's not enough it works in physical sports because you literally need to physically rotate people you must physically rotate them or their body will disintegrate their yeah, tendons yeah. and ligaments will be snapped like aaron Rodgers the first eight seconds of his fucking career like like we need to like mm -hmm. they we have to have reserves in physical sports and esports you don't as much and like also everyone in esports has the memory of a fucking goldfish that's been living next to a lead plant so like it's all like <laughs> You can't like everything you no one remembers anything past like the past two months essentially okay. so like if you're on a reserve roster your, your career withers on a vine in fact i think it's kind of impressive at all that bcj um it, it shows like i think there's some good potentially some good scouting or like only his his good his own like drive to make sure he's continuing to play that bcj is immediately coming back and like getting onto another roster a good roster here with m80 um because like you know he hasn't competed in like a year you know yeah. um and like in esports I mean, time that's like a really really long time at the level i think one of the biggest differences though is that this eg team was competing in scrims as a five-person roster against all of the top partnership teams during that period of time and that to be honest like how you scrim can sometimes land in players brains more than how you performed in matches if they're thinking about like who do i want to play with next year and someone was just banging them out all year in scrims even if you didn't play a match sometimes that can really stick whereas no, i feel I mean, like a lot of the people you're referring to were just subs and they didn't actually get to scrim all year long no i mean eg did something that no other team has essentially i feel like essentially no team especially at like this tier one level have ever had like a full other roster literally scrimming against other teams consistently 
you know not just internals but like yeah that's something that is very different but the problem is that that's not that's literally that's how 99 percent of teams aren't going to use their sub roster like that because they don't have enough subs you know they're going to have maybe one maybe yeah. two yeah you know they don't have enough players to run that sort of thing eg was like let's just build the fucking army and like <laughs> we're gonna do that but like that's very atypical and the majority of the time like a reserve like having like if you're a reserve sixth man or, or you know sixth or seventh man like you're just like fucked like eg did obviously do something very different here which is why i think like that's actually a good point why bcj probably could find a team so much easier because he was he was at least staying informed and scrimming still consistently you know but like i just think it needs to end um but i mean that technically i mean riot themselves agreed because they kind of said like okay no more six man you don't need a six man anyways but like also i think that was a financial decision as much as it was a um logistics so Yep. That's my rant against reserves and subs. Yeah. The, no, no more binge boys. No more. <laughs> Avast profited from the system and now he wants to close it. That was it's not. But the thing is, like, not everyone can do what I did, where I just, like, schmoozed my way back in. You know, I didn't like, I, like, do the complete, like, my career was killed. And then I essentially said, like, what if I talk my way out of this? And then I, like, did. And so, like, not everyone can do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I want to move on to talking about some of the uh, things happening in Latin America here as well. I mean, M80 is going to be an interesting roster to keep track of, but if we're going to talk about partnership teams, we had Aspas and Leviathan playing uh, recently. Uh, Leviathan just officially announced their roster, which was entertaining. I mean, it's a bit unfortunate. Everybody knew what was going to come in anyway. They, they put a lot of work into it. Um, but I do... <laughs> I do think that this Tex announcement video was funny. They were basically oh, just yeah. taking the piss out of the fact that Tex can't speak Spanish or Portuguese, and he's not playing Duelist. It's like it's like they're just roasting themselves for putting a dude in an uncomfortable position on their roster. <laughs> I think it's I the best care. way to do it, though. I think I this announcement video, like this, is a really it's very funny. Like, it's a great piece of content. Like I like like that's like actually a fantastic way to do it if i was running that shit i'd be like that's like the same thing we're gonna do like i think it's a really good idea so super super funny business yeah. of ass yeah they, now was it gonna work though <laughs> yeah exactly that's the thing like, like the content uh, is good but is the actual yeah uh, i'm just gameplay gonna track you know, I don't they, like know? they're obviously gonna speak english though they're not gonna yeah. speak spanish or portuguese I was about to definitely not ask, do we know which language they're speaking? I was, because I mean, I, it was obviously logical no they'd be way. speaking English, and I knew that was going to happen. So. Oh, you haven't heard? <laughs> yeah. Leviathan sponsored by Duolingo next year. <laughs> oh, that's Tex awesome. is going to be in the lab nonstop. <laughs> He's going to be in the lab. If Don't he forgets a single day, the Duolingo the hour is going to kill him. Site. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, they played this show match. I don't think anyone was taking it seriously. I mean, we had some bonkers compositions. If you want to, like, pull up the VLR uh, page or something, you've got Shy playing Rainer, Kesnit on Sova, Aspas on Rainer as well. Uh, Tex was playing Jet, despite definitely being a Sentinel player. He's, he's like, going to be their chamber, surely, if the next meta is, like, chamber cipher kind of stuff, or chamber kill. Well, you know, whatever meta ends up happening. Um, I think both of these rosters are going to be fairly decent. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the Leviathan roster is very good, but uh, that's what I said about Leviathan last year, so I'm kind of holding my breath. I'm not, or I guess I'm not holding my breath. I'm, I'm just going to see how it goes. I'd be down for more Aspas Reina. 
Give me that at all times. Let me just yeah. see Aspas, no comms, running it down on Reina. I mean, if they just don't pick a language, then they just don't calm. It's just like, you calm within the language. The core three calming in Spanish, and then just Aspas and Tex both playing duelists in a fucking island, not understanding word, running it down. <laughs> I think that's the it optimal way to run the team. I mean, you know what transcends all languages? Just pings. They're just going to do nothing but just fully assimilate with the ping system in-game. And that's, that's true. That's Every just, round. They don't need words. Pinging is faster than talking. I mean, if ISO puts you into the gulag, I mean, they could just have Aspas put every player individually into the gulag <laughs> one at a time. Just always. He's just, just, he's always just like, awesome. the restings them. He's just every time. He's like, you're no rest. And puts them into the fucking gulag. And like, that's it. Like, Imagine I hope, he does. I hope he has that ability. And I hope it really is just called like the gulag. The gulag. That would be so It'd be funny. so fucking amazing. But also. Completely went with it. Like, the only way to make an ult like that work, surely, is that you get ripped into the gulag and it, like, pauses all the rest of the action that's happening. And everybody else oh, just, just gets stuck. Pauses. <laughs> yeah, just... it just tech pauses all the rest yeah. of the team while you... Everybody's just gets up from their seats and goes and crowds around Aspas and cheers him on as he what if it's not fights in the gulag. No, what, if it's no, a, yeah. what if it's a piece of util that you buy? Like, you get, like, every 40 seconds. <laughs> you, can get, you get two gulags per round. At a cost but it's of like really short. Gulag. Like it lasts like five seconds. Like you literally hop in. It's like pulling like, like your pistol out like a Western duel. Like and then like then it's over. Like it's like if you hit the shot, you get the kill. Otherwise, it's over. It's done. I think you'd have to have it though. I, I love how we're we're just talking about. I mean, this there's nothing else. I mean, the show match was the show match was but like it was Mickey Mouse. You know, like I didn't see the show about? match. It, 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 it reminds it, me of like the Riot One event in Japan last year where Mako was playing Phoenix or whatever the hell it was. But um. It'd be so. I, you have to have it where the action is continuing. It'd be really unfortunate if you like. Imagine playing, especially online, like in solo queue, and you get somebody in the gulag. You win your one v one. You come out, and the rest of your team's fucking dead. Now you have the one v four. No oh. one's calming, so you don't know like what the fuck is happening. Yeah, I think can't it'd be good. ISO. can't wait for ISO. Yep. Yeah. Oh, overall, though, this uh, show match was fairly useless. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. But Aspas killed more people than killed him, so we know he's going to be True. really good on Leviathan, and they're winning True. it all next year. Yes. Yep. yes. But King has help. And that's King scary. does have help. Yeah. That is scary for every other team. <laughs> the King One is no helper. longer a one-man wrecking crew for Leviathan. I mean, the Leviathan G2 game, considering that both of those rosters look really good on paper, like, on paper, they look like they should be two of the top teams in Americas. That match with Tex playing against his former team is going to be a lot of fun. I know that Tex is like, the end of his announcement is like, G2, I'm coming for you. And it's like, it feels a little bit drummed up, but I actually think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty sick. I assume Tex, I, I actually don't know, but I assume he didn't take the offer with G2. I assume he did have an offer given to him. I don't think that's public. I don't know if it was ever, yeah, I don't know if it was discussed. Because, like, personally, typically most players will just choose to stick. Especially with how close, like, the former guard roster was. Like, you would think they would all just stay together. So, like, it either has to be they were either not selected to move forward or the Vieton gave them, like, a really good offer. So Yeah. Uh, There were some other little bits and bobs happening, though, around the scene that I wanted to touch in on. Uh, MW Zero, back to Duelist, smurfing on people. He's playing against Tier 2 teams here, but this is this new Furia lineup that looks like they're kind of cooking. They got Havoc on this team, who was one of the best up-and-coming players who was rumored to replace Aspas at one point in time. And they've got, I mean, Khalil's still fantastic. A few other players that look like they've got some... um, 
I mean, Diazzi looks like he's doing fairly well. And I look at MW stats in these matches. I mean, he's just rolling people. The GOAT is back. The GOAT is back. No? Is it yes. just me that's on the GOAT I, I train thought you were for gonna MW? Keep going. I thought you were going to keep I, I, going. I, I, I thought you like were going to keep going. I thought you were going to keep going. I was keep, waiting like... for a third third volume yeah, okay the back. goat is back <laughs> that's what you were waiting for he's back pretty much yeah. uh i mean <laughs> seem seems seems good seems good i mean seth ass has not seen this i mean like we are, I, because like he's been I, he's I been doing i don't watch shit oh, that I, isn't I definitely specific. didn't watch this I yeah, mean, I, I mean, just like, looked at the stats. Did MW even play well, or were all the kills eco kills? I don't know. I just read the stats. I don't know. He got 52 kills in two maps, baby. That's 26 a game. 15 to 6, first kill, first death. He had an 83% cast percentage, baby. He's fucking back. <laughs> Holy stats, Sally. <laughs> Holy Statistician shit. Sally 22% headshot right in their money. Fucking Sally. Stacey would be better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, that too. I mean, yeah. listen. We've been preaching at one point MW Zera is going to actually be back and then Wyatt River will bust out through a wall like the Kool-Aid man and be like, I told you, <laughs> you know, like then he will, he'll, he'll be there. But until that time, I'm not, I'm not putting anything stock into it yet because like, obviously he's really good, but like, I mean, yeah, he was playing tier two teams. So you know what? If he makes, but he was if also farming and harvesting and fucking eating people's nachos in America. He is the goat. True. Yeah. I mean, he like, was he's, he's good. He was really good. Well. Yeah. So I His mean, like, Sky on Haven was disgusting. Sick. Yeah. I think though that this roster could actually do something. I'm more excited about this roster than MIBR. But we recently learned after we talked about MIBR and like changing around their coaching roster last week. I don't think we knew at the time that Fraud was head coach. I think we were assuming that. Uh, the duo of Fraud and uh, Bazooka would kind of work with kind of the, the same way that it did last time with Fraud being the assistant or strategic coach or something like that. Uh, but Fraud officially got announced, didn't he, as head coach? Yeah. I'm not just making this up. They clarified that Fraud is head coach and Bazooka is going to be an assistant coach. Mm. So, I mean, they must have really liked what Fraud obviously did for like the end of that champs run the previous year. And then like with them, like, I mean, they got third this year um with loud so like i feel like it might and, and like it's clear that there was a system put in place because this was after you know this is after losing you know people thought like they're like two of their most key players you know um so like i feel like for them like this is like kind of a situation where like it might be is clearly a team where i feel like because that's something where a lot of i think a teams across all vct it's like you need to find the right coach the right person to set the system and like it feels like they're probably like, well, we think there was a good system at Loud, and so like we want to see that replicated here at MBR. And Fraud seems like the right guy to do it. So, like, I, it kind I'm of kind of sense. hoping, I'm kind of hoping personally that BZK uh, wanted to bring Fraud in, and Fraud was like, well, I'm not really interested in assistant coach. And BZK is like, you can literally have head coach slot. I just want to work with you. I'm, that's just my own headcanon. That's not even, that might not even be true. That'd I'm just be making so that cute up. If it was but real. That would be really cute, wouldn't it? It would be really like, cute <laughs> and sweet that they really like working with each other. So I hope it's true. They're just little friends. Little friends are going to coach a team together. Maybe they're going to get eighth place instead of 10th place this season. Holy soft boy <laughs> coaching arc. The soft boy coaching arc is happening right here. The Bazooka X Fraud fanfics are firing up on Wattpad right now. I mean, Do you want to. They were presumably see... good together at Loud. Presumably they'll be good together again. It's definitely MIBR last season needs some help. I think I, I'm not like giga excited about this team, but I think some of the changes they made was good. So I'm like, 
I have a modicum of excitement. Do you want to see the greatest bromance of our time? Do you want to see what everyone's going to be writing fan fiction about for the next year? Please. Yes. <laughs> it's Ardis it. and Angel having their fishing lives in a, in a cabin in the woods together. This is this so video, far, core. It's so good, man. It's so good. It's the best announcement video I've ever seen. It's just nuts. It's funny. It's well done. It made me want to go and live in a cabin in the woods with Angel. He's actually just living his most chill life of all time. And it's so fucking good. I I was wondering to myself, how do you possibly make a video of artists coming back to Na'Vi interesting? Because everybody knows it's happening. And it's like, it's not even he's going to a new team. He's going back to his old team. But this video knocked it out of the park. It starts with Angel in a kitchen, reminiscing about them losing and wondering where it all went wrong. I mean, it's so good. Is Somehow fantastic. this one slipped my radar. When did this come out? Uh, pretty uh, recently. Last past week? week or so? Yeah. It's oh, okay. phenomenal, though. Seth, you have to watch it. Like, I, it's amazing. I wonder, it's a great piece I of I wonder content. if this was when I was in Busan, and maybe I missed it, because I went down to Busan with my dad and my wife for uh, two days. So maybe I missed it there. It's a really good piece of content. Angel is so this is natural great. in this environment. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does. It does. I mean, he looks like the guy man. that you would see fishing. You know, like he looks like a dude. Yeah. Like when you pass by like a waterway, his ass would just be sitting there fishing off the water into the waterway. You know, kind of gives also, that vibe. I think it is so funny. <laughs> it's like written like fanfic. He comes to his famous fishing spot, and he and Ardis is just there. This is oh, so dude. fucking farmer core. Insane. I, this is farmersmeat.com fucking dating ad. Like 100%. I mean, like this shit is like that. 100%. I'm, I'm watching this and I'm I'm thinking Brokeback. This is like, I wish I could quit you. Like, Well, I mean, Brokeback yeah. is it's far, that's farmer core in a way. I think it's tend to be cowboy core. But, you know, like yeah. I feel like it's. I, I think also the thing about this that's so interesting too is that something about it just feels like Eastern European. <laughs> it just also it just has the vibe as well at the same time that 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 imagine scene, if though, they filmed where sorry yeah. seth because you haven't seen it let me let me just explain for a moment that yeah, the yeah, scene yeah. that we just saw angel looks over and says oh what bait are you using and artist just pulls out like hundred dollar us bills from his pocket <laughs> and angel goes no 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 that bait would only work on you <laughs> It's just like it's just peppered with such excellent writing. That's amazing. It's so beautiful. Why say, is it so beautifully shot too? Yeah. I was just gonna say, what if they filmed it like ice fishing in fucking Siberia? <laughs> I mean, that would have been funny. A, that would have been funny too. It's just but like, I like, in, like an igloo or something. I like this because it feels like they. Ha I like the heart to heart. Like the grass fronds are like waving, like in the wind and everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's this is like a perfectly. This is a very okay. rare one done. Uh, what we what we need what we need to see is <laughs> <laughs> by the way look at this it's nighttime they're talking the video literally canonically says they're talking until it's nighttime here yeah. over the fire over and over they just can't stop they're just okay they're going on and on and on and then watch what happens when they go back to like the next shot right remember it was nighttime this is just comes back it's daytime again, <laughs> and they're just laid down on the grass together. Now, I'm not going to speculate the what they spent up. the night doing, <laughs> but I, I think we all know. They're talking they nice chat. Oh, oh. Wow. We need to see, nice. what I was going to say is we need to see the raw footage from this. 
We need to see everything that was shot that led to this finished product because I guarantee you this took them a decent long while to get through this shoot because I know these two fuckers <laughs> and they're probably just cracking each other up the whole way throughout. Yeah. This was probably a painstaking process by the I mean, they definitely team. did it the whole day. This was definitely a full day shoot because they waited for night oh, yeah. there. So I'm assuming yeah. they were just there the full day. I mean, Trust me, it would have been a full day just... shoot even if they weren't waiting for it to turn to nighttime. <laughs> yeah. It's also the most old married coupled vibes between two like Valorant pros. Like when like at the Globe events we were doing like the different like content with like them just fucking with each other at like multiple times like like fucking artists would just walk up and i, I don't remember which one of it is it's just like that you guys are really trying to fucking push this thing between the two of us nothing <laughs> going on there and then they just fucking like get on screen and just like quibble like they've they've been married for 50 years it's like they had their midlife crisis they got their brief divorce now they're back together with the one for them angel Makes does sense. give male wife vibes little bit for sure <laughs> gives some male wife vibes. what does that mean i don't know if i want to know what that means Connor. i mean i i mean that's it it's just a male wife man like okay. i don't know like that's all there is to it it's it's really Wonderful. like he just has that sort of like those soft eyes that when you open your front door and he's cutting up some produce in his cabin you know you just fall into those pools yeah that's just a male yeah, wife. i could i could believe that i could believe that <laughs> I mean, I mean that is. Do we never rely on Urban Dictionary for anything? I mean, that definition. is kind of the male wife. Yeah, that is, but it's not always yeah. necessarily submissive per se. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, let's. There, there, there are some other things, by the way, that have been like uh, reported on this week, but I kind of wanted to save those for a later date. I know that there's some Pacific stuff too, like Global Esports have just finalized their roster. Um, but I want to I want to dig into Pacific a little bit more once like because Gen G look like they've reported an almost complete roster. So I wanted to wait a little bit. But So I think we're going to close it out here for this week. But there is more to discuss and we'll get to that another time. Uh, and also, I'm just I'm actually itching for Minecraft. I'm, yep. I'm I just I to long the for the mines. Let me return. <laughs> I oh my god thank god dude it, i was tabbed down it scared the shit out of me <laughs> hello or rather bye-bye yeah can we can we trigger the wave again to say bye-bye to everybody wait what about it's a video josh segment? oh it's a video i thought it was a button you were clicking that waved i could uh, make it right, a button that that's pretty sense. complicated yeah that does sound a bit complicated do the, that's okay well, that's okay do why it's weekly award, let's right? do the exactly let's do the final segment of the week it's why it's weekly award Wyatt's Weekly Award. <laughs> this is new. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> they're all they're all new. Okay, they recorded a bunch of different recently. ones. <laughs> Westlake in my youth mouth? soccer. What is what is in my what did you see this? What's in my is that a pipe? Like what is that? That's is the skin black? you gave me. That's your skin. That's no, you. I know, but I, I've never even noticed. Like, do I have a third eyebrow growing out of my yeah. what is going on here? It's a I mustache it's like that's just slid down one side of your mouth. Oh, it also smirk. looks like it looks like the red from your mouth continues down into your neck. I just have a, I have a very I have like a South Park looks, character <laughs> mouth, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, the Wise Weekly Award is going to go to a recent hiring from uh, Sentinels, uh, Sydney Malam, who is responsible for making a bunch of the promotional content for the Guard over the like past. I don't know how many years the guard has been involved in Valorant, to be honest, but they've made a bunch of really cool stuff. 
Um, and I imagine that it's just going to level up the Sentinels promotional side uh, pretty drastically. So seems like a sick hire. The community was excited about it. I didn't really know too much about it until I saw what was going on. But yeah, Sydney's made a bunch of cool stuff. Her like designs are really sick, and I'm sure her work is going to level up Sentinels um, quite a bit. So yeah. Uh, a, a dub in the column over there well and also when asked in the reddit thread why or like somebody said something like i'm surprised she didn't join eg referencing of course the fact that eg's social presence and their ability to create marketing materials is tragic and she responded with fuck eg so so that's that, that wins you the white weekly award if nothing else does frankly wait, wait i need to see that i need to see that where the hell is that? Just, it was just in the Reddit thread about That's it on competitive so Valorant. Funny. You know, <laughs> it's crazy that Sydney came. I mean, like her org literally exploded, and she's still like, actually, fuck EG. <laughs> like her org <laughs> literally exploded, left and like vented everyone, just like shot them out the airlock, and then still she's like, no, 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 fuck EG. Like it's that's yeah. that's very funny. I mean, she's good. She's really good. I mean, like as I, someone that like. If I had the budget to, I would would love to have gotten someone of the caliber city because, like, she really. Did, I mean, someone with that sort of level of expertise of like building those three D visual environments and like motion graphics and things like that, like, um, and the the art and the the promo materials they use is like really it's excellent. You know, it's like it's just something that like the community loves to engage. Perhaps with, you so. could prestige her and make make the clone join uh, Misfits. Ah, Are you not on your well, prestige arc anymore. Well, the prestige arc is one. I mean, yes, but the thing is, prestige technically you don't. The clone, don't clone. dies. Yeah, the one one has to die. <laughs> so you don't actually. A, you don't. You only get to get the same number of Sydneys, no matter what. Right, the amount of Sydneys right. does not increase because the other ones die still. That, by the way, so. is still one of our, if not the most watched moment in the history of Plat Chat. It's like our most watched episode, and the most watched moment from that episode is you saying that you're going to lock up and potentially if what you're saying is correct murder all of the most powerful players in the pacific region in order to create a good zeta division yes but once again, <laughs> I mean, like, but, it, but you have to understand you have to understand it would be wicked <laughs> it would be cool so that's what you don't uh, pull it off that'd be pretty neat they should yeah, just yep. i was gonna say sentinels could probably make so much money if they just Took that idea and then put it on a T-shirt and just sold a shirt that said "fuck EG." Probably be so many. Honestly, they that. might. They might. <laughs> That's wait. If they Genuinely. do that, we have to get rev share. We have to get rev share if they do that. Rev share. Rev share to plat chat if you do that. Sentinels. Thank you. I will. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's really good. I like that. It's it's, it's already better than everything they've ever made. So, <laughs> okay. All right, so Mimi. Shit. Mimi wants to go and play Minecraft, so I've turned I think into that's... Minecraft and the podcast. We're we're ending the podcast. We'll come back right. next time for um, Platchap Minecraft episode 151, <laughs> uh, or maybe we should do a Pokemon episode for 151. <laughs> that's a good idea. Fast and I won't be back for that. I, well, no, I mean I'd come back, but I will be like essentially like the clueless person because I my ass knows nothing about Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, now is that uh, is that like is that I don't even remember po Porygon? Is that the one? There is a Porygon, yeah. yeah Porygon yeah, yeah, does yeah. exist. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to pick a random name. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, that does it for us. Uh, subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you next time for 151. Bye! Bye!